Today I want to talk about better relationships, specifically the power of spiritual friendship. You like that? The power of spiritual friendship. Uh, in our process at Freedom, we talk about loving God and loving each other and serving the world. Loving God. I want to talk about loving God and loving each other, especially. And, and let me pose this question to you. Why is it so hard to love some people? Why is it, why is it so hard? Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think a couple is we're not as good at loving as we think we are. Because for us, loving is always attractional. Love is attractional to us. I was uh, watching an episode of that wonderful Disney show, Stuck in the Middle. Uh, and uh, that's right, because my grandson's on it. And uh, so they were doing this thing, and I wanted to jump in the show on the script and say, no, that's not the way it works. I wanted to do that, but they didn't call me. They just write scripts, okay? But you know, we teach our children this, okay? About And there, there's a, attraction isn't bad, okay? You just can't live by your attractions. All right? I'm attracted to this. I'm, well, that person, I'm really attracted. Look at that. You know, uh, God wants to be involved in love. Do you understand this? You need God to be involved in love. I'm going to hang there forever, okay? But why is it so hard for some people, uh, for us to love some people? We're going to look at John 15. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Jesus says this. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Do you get that? That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I'll come back to that. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now remember this is, all, this is an inclusive scripture. Is there another slide there with all that, that whole scripture? Yeah, there it is. These things I have spoken to you. You want to read this with me? All right. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now stop, stop. Do you see the connection there? Do you see that you say, well, God just makes commandments. God just tells us what to do to make our life difficult. No, he tells you what to do because he created you and he knows how you can have your best life. You got that? So I don't know. I don't get this. You know, I, you know, and I just don't fit with this. I can't believe God would want me to do something that I'm uncomfortable with. You need to get over your bad self. Okay. How many know sometimes you have to be uncomfortable before you're joyful? Anybody know that? So, all right. So this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now pause. When you see this, he's not just talking about the cross here. He's talking about us. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. I, all right. We're, are we supposed to lay down our lives for one another? Yeah, shake your head up and down. All right. And... Uh, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. A servant does not know what his master is doing. Now, we are servants. We understand that, okay? This is a relational transition. 
Yes, we are the servants of God. But he says, I'm not just calling you servants anymore. A servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. Now he's showing us something. I'm showing you relationship, is what he's saying. I'm showing you some things you didn't know about. For all things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. What? Jesus chose us before we, I thought I chose God. He chose me. And Jesus said, he's saying to his disciples, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And then he, he's wrapping this up. These things I command you, that you love one another. Okay, it would seem like he just changed topics altogether. But he did not. Everything that he's saying in this passage is about, I want your joy to be full. I want, I want my joy to remain in you that your joy may be full. And a lot of us do not have the joy that God wants us to have. Anybody remember that? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah! No, you don't know that. Okay, so. I, um, in the, um, anybody remember the, the movie, The Titanic? Anybody remember that movie? Okay, this is, the, this is you know, that moment where in the Titanic where they see the iceberg and uh, it's like, what? There's an iceberg there? Do you see that? I don't know if that's exactly the way it turned out, but uh, how many know the story uh, of the Titanic? Anybody know that? Uh, so uh, it's like this unsinkable ship, and so now they're trying to back up after they have gone too far. Preach, Pastor. And uh, uh, there's an iceberg right in front of them, and they're going to ram into that iceberg. I think sometimes we wonder... Uh, why that doesn't, what, what, what happened here? Uh, but this happened on April 15th, 1912. Uh, this didn't happen. I mean, they, they hit the iceberg the, the, the night before. Uh, and how many know why the ship sank? Does anybody know why the ship sank? The reason the ship sank, it had a hole in it. Okay, let's, let's go back. Just a little bit further. We would say the ship sank because it hit an iceberg. All right? The reason the ship sank is because it did not see the iceberg. All right? You got that? It didn't see the iceberg, and it ran head-on into an iceberg. They, that's what happened. Now, here's, here's the back story. You can turn that off when you want. But uh, just shortly... Before the maiden voyage of the unsinkable Titanic, the second officer of the ship, David Blair, was reassigned. And in his pocket was the key to the cabinet in the crow's nest that held the binoculars. So they had people in the crow's nest. They just didn't have the key to the binoculars. If they would have had the binoculars, they might have seen the iceberg and the ship wouldn't have sank. So all the other things are bad, that they didn't have enough lifeboats to take care of all the passengers. Uh, all of these things were bad. I mean, the story, you know, that little story, you know, and I remember when the movie came out, everybody was watching the movie. It was that love story between Leonardo and... 
Kate, you know, I don't know who they were in the movie anymore. But anyway, it was just this love story, and it was really, that was all messed up too because the relationships on the Titanic were horrendous. Anybody know the movie? I mean, one guy is just full of himself dating this other girl, and they're going to get married, and, and the parents are struggling, and they've got these systems where some people can eat someplace, and other people can't. I mean, it was a broken mess of a ship. Beautiful ship, but a broken mess, and nobody had binoculars. Can I talk about the church for a minute? Why does it seem in our culture right now that the church is sinking in our nation? And we just passed the 4th of July and celebrated our independence. And I wonder if during the last 242 years that the United States has been a nation and we that we declared our independence, why, how is it that somebody didn't tell us that we never should have declared our independence from God. Never, never. I, and and it's, it's heavily indicated that we did that by our unwillingness to simply obey his word. Right? How many know if, if we talk about obeying God publicly, people are going to get upset? And we kind of, do we have to do this? We kind of have to glaze over the truth that we know in order to keep everybody holding hands. We seem to be at a place where we love the idea of church, but something is missing. And even when I read the scriptures, sometimes I have to stop and say, dear Lord, give me some binoculars. I don't, I don't know that we see sometimes beyond just the ink. It's like I read my Bible verse today. And we get on down the road. I, uh, I love, uh, one of the things that we have going here is living waters. We do it right now once a year, and then we'll do cross current, and I enjoy it. Uh, but there's a, a lot of teaching uh, in that. We, we heard the term uh, relational brokenness. How many have ever heard the term relational brokenness? Lift your hand if you've heard that. I want to know, okay? You probably heard it from this pulpit before. Uh, you may have went through a, a class here and learned about uh, relational, sexual, or relational brokenness. Uh, a great deal of that story uh, comes out of Luke chapter 7 uh, about a story of, of a woman named Mary Magdalene. Anybody have heard of Mary Magdalene? All right. So in the story in, in, in Luke chapter 7, if you don't know it, here it is. Mary throws herself at the feet of Jesus, weeping. She takes oil and she anoints his head, anoints his feet, and she weeps before him. So much so that she gave up. Here's what happens. She's so busy walking into this place. She has met Jesus, been loved and forgiven by Jesus, and she goes in and she loves him so much that she gave up prostitution in exchange for a life of intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody like that? All right. And uh, Luke describes her. She's throwing herself at Jesus' feet in order to wash them with tears of repentance and gratitude. But to do so, in order to do it, she had to endure the scorn of the Pharisees. One particular named Simon who was sitting next to Jesus and Jesus blessed her. He gave her what she needed, not what she deserved. 
He welcomed her and lavished her with mercy and invited her into this intimate, holy friendship and family. Anybody love that? Anybody, anybody ever messed up before? Anybody just, anybody come out of a mess? If I ask you your story right now, uh, are there people in this room that can say, Pastor, if I told you the stuff that I did last night, So Simon jumps at her and said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who was touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Think about it. And then verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Not because she poured it, but because of her response the way that she related to Jesus. Anybody see this? The way that she related to Jesus. And uh, he said, therefore, let's see, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is he who forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we use the scripture to discuss relational brokennesses in in, in our world. And this woman and the woman at the well both suggest people such as this. Now, but I think, in looking at the scripture, this scripture is not really about the woman. This story is about the church. This story is not just, I mean, how many, you understand this, right? That if you are here today and you are broken, Jesus loves you. Do you get that? Amen. If you were here and you didn't want to tell anything about it, if you're here and that's your story, how many know Jesus loves you? Go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and receive his forgiveness. Are you with me on this? Go ahead and receive this. No, wait, wait. But here's the deal. Then we all get saved. And we get a little fool of ourselves. Uh, I've been in some broken churches in my life. I don't know if you've ever been in broken churches in your life. But I've been to some churches where all they want to do is fuss. I I just, oh, I just, there's something inside of me. I, I've been there. I, I, was, I, was, I worked at a church that split while I was there. I was on staff at the church. And they actually split, decided, well, we'll just make two churches. The weird thing about that is they had already done that about 20 years before. And, and they'd done it about 30 years before. There were already two churches in a town of about 20,000 people. There were three churches there now. None of them amounted to a whole lot. All they knew is they didn't like each other. It's all they knew. Divided churches, you know, there was the first and the second and the third and the fourth. In fact, they get so divided, sometimes they put that at the beginning of their sign. Well, we're the first. Okay, who cares? This, this is the story of Mary Magdalene is one story. 
But the story of the way that they treated Jesus when he walked in the door is another story altogether. The story that nobody embraced him, that nobody saw his dirty feet and said, let me wash your dirty feet. The, the story that nobody hugged him, that, that nobody said, you know, and, and this was the common thing. When people came in, they would anoint them. They would bless them. You say, why? Well, hey, do you know anybody that doesn't own deodorant? Don't point at them right now. They're sitting next to you just, all right? But, but, but hear what I'm saying. It was common that people walked through the desert and the dust, and they finally arrived, and their feet were covered with dirt and mud and mess, and their bodies were all sweaty, and they hadn't been to Walgreens to buy anything. And so we will have some water to wash your feet, and we'll have some oil to anoint you when you walk in the door. We get so busy sometimes pointing at the brokenness of the world that we negate the brokenness in our own lives. How do you feel about the other people in this room right now? How do you feel about the people here and there and the folks back there? Are you satisfied that you don't know each other? Is that cool with you? That somebody is in this room who loves Jesus, but they're in a mess. Is that okay? I guess they'll just have to say, I can't be, and I know we have to rest. I know we have to be at peace, but we're the body of Christ right now, and we have to love one another relationally. I'm preaching good stuff, so uh, anybody hearing this? Can I get an amen from someone? I and, and that's, that's what, just, what the scripture's in John 15. John 15 is not a cute scripture about disciples who were buddies. Come on, I want you guys to like each other. Come on, give each other high fives every day. And that's not what it is. It is this relationship with God through Jesus that begets this deep relationship with one another. They are, these are powerful scriptures regarding relationships that you should already know. Here's some scriptures maybe you already know. 2 Corinthians 6. Anybody ever heard this? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? How many know that's a good scripture? Okay? So you should break up with your unsaved boyfriend right now. You should. Say, but I'm attracted to him. He's really good and has a good job. Break it off. Okay? I didn't say don't care about him. I said just break it off. I'd never get a lot of amens when I say that. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. All right, so you understand this, right? You don't know who your, who your daughters had a sleepover with last night with their buddies? You don't know? You don't know? You should, right? And I'm not saying you should not have individuals in your life who don't know Jesus. Just don't be deceived. Say it, don't be deceived. Proverbs 22 Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Have you, have, have you ever met somebody, all they do is yell and scream? Always, always negative? Met somebody? Okay. So just so you know, they're not going to stop that just because they met you. Okay? So, so be careful about that. Now, how, but, but you understand this. We want to bring people to Jesus, correct? That's not what it's saying here. So I, I'm just telling you that. 
what, what the, some of you need to just read those scriptures, and, and I gave you a note there. What do these scriptures say to you personally? Because some of your relationships are dangerous. That's all I'm telling you. But we have to do better than live on the defensive. All right? So some people read these scriptures, and they say, okay, I'm just not going to be around anybody. Because a lot of those church people are angry. A lot of those church people, you, you hear what I'm telling you, right? We have to do better than live on the defensive because relationships matter. Listen, if you want great spiritual friendship, you need to get ready. I'm not talking about just going to the movies together. I think it's great. I'm not talking about just having pizza and picnics, which we're having one after second services today. I'm not talking about just ice cream socials. I'm saying God wants us as believers in deep, deep personal relationships with one another. So we're working on this at Freedom. We haven't figured it all out yet, but we're working on it. So uh, look at the scripture we've opened up with, again, in John 15. These things I've spoken to you, and here's the purpose, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So uh, here, here's, here's the reality. When we answer the question of loving one another, we also, we also deal with, with the lack of joy in our lives. Do you get this? So if you feel joyless, look around the room because here's your medicine. You got that? Here's your medicine. Look around. This is your medicine. And then, and I've walked through the scripture already. He says, he says that you love one another as I've loved you. Deeper, a deeper level of love. I want you to go to a deeper level of love. Love each other deep and sacrificially. Then Jesus says... Uh, now you're living in a deep spiritual level of relationship. And in, the, in this position, you're no longer going to be called servants, but you're going to be my friends. I'm calling you a friend, a spiritual friend, for all the things that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. This is where you're going to learn things about great relationships. So Jesus is calling us deeper and deeper into something that our world knows nothing about. Spiritual friendship. Just say it. Spiritual friendship. Now Listen. Jesus, Jesus does not simply send you deeper into the heart of God than you ever thought you would go. How many want to go deeper in God? Okay, you don't get to just go deeper in God. You don't even just get to go deeper into the heart of the hurting world than you ever thought you would go. Jesus is sending us deeper into the hearts of other brothers and sisters. What? That's where he's sending me. I want to take you to a place of great joy. How? I'm going to send you into somebody's heart. I want you to know and relate to one another. Anybody getting this? So he's giving you profound uh, intimacy of relationship beyond anything anyone thought possible. Okay, I, I won't tell you the store. Some of you will know exactly where it is, but there is a store that I go to regularly, and there is somebody that works there. I do not know the individual's name. I can only tell you how they speak to me every time I go, all right? And I always know it, always watch for them, okay? Because whether I'm coming into the store or going out of the store, I always hear this individual say something like this, thank you, my friend. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Thank you, my friend, okay? All right? I always love that. Thank you, my friend, all right? But I don't have time, and I've tried to go deeper, Okay? All right, a lot of you knew that. I shouldn't have even told you, given this illustration. I should have backed off of that. And, and you start yelling the store. Okay, anyway, so I love you, though. 
Okay. Levels of friendship. What does that mean? There are three levels of friendship. Association, loyalty, and affection. Those are, those are the friendships, okay? So I can say, hello, my friend. What does that mean? We're just in the same room. That's all it means. Same room. Yeah, that's a friend of mine. Anybody ever said that? They, you know, yeah, I know them. Yeah, we're friends. Really? When was the last time you talked to them? Oh, five years ago. But we're friends, you know. Uh, loyalty. There's another level of friendship. That means, look, I'm standing up for him. I'm going to help this individual. That's good. But then there's a third level, and that's affection. And that's where you love someone deeply, and you are into their heart and into their life. Do you see the difference? Some of you have friends. Now, in the body of Christ, we need to go beyond, we just go to the same church. Come on, somebody. We got to go beyond, well, we're loyal. Yes, that individual is a member of the church. We're going to make sure that they're taken care of. That's good. We need to get to the place of, we're ready to pour oil on your head. Come on. We're ready to help somebody, to love somebody. We're ready to take care of one another. Now, in Scripture, we see this. There's a, there's a little travel journal in Acts chapter 20, uh, and it's in the New Testament. It's, it's, it's in the setting of Acts. It's about uh, uh, St. Paul. Uh, the Bible says in verse 36, when he had said these things, uh, he's getting ready to travel. He knelt down and prayed with them all. This is where he is. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. So have you ever had somebody leave that you loved in the church? Have you ever had somebody? They were going. Anybody? I mean, not long ago, Fred Tadero had to move to Lynchburg. That is not a good day for me. Me and Fred have been buddies for a long time. I love him. I knew when he got saved. I knew when he was filled with the Spirit of God. I, I, we saw him raised up. We saw him get involved in ministry. Fred's my brother. Anybody see that? All right. It's good to have Wendy back today, all right? And Wendy, you've worked so hard. I mean, God do so many beautiful things in your life. And, and she left us. What's up with that? All right? But when I saw her this morning, I saw her coming down the aisle, made a beeline in her direction because I wanted to get my hug back. So I want you to see Paul. He has established a church. People are around him. It's not like, hey, Paul, we'll FaceTime. It's not that. In verse, and, and then go to the next verse, Acts 21, verse 1. And when he had parted from them and set sail, uh, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had set sail in Cyprus, I'm giving you all of this, leaving it on the left, we sailed, uh, leaving it on the left, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go into Jerusalem. So he finds believers in another place that he had not established a church, stayed for seven days, and they're speaking to him by the Spirit. Hear this? And when, on, when our days were there, they were, there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us, us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Come on, bud. You've only been there seven days. It's like a vacation. Get out. 
I mean, how many know you love when your guests come, but when they leave, it's hallelujah. Not you guys. Okay. <laughs> then he went on board the ship, and they returned home. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. He had daughters who prophesied? While he was staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. So do you see this? Everybody knows Paul, by the Spirit, is going to die because he's going to go to Jerusalem. Eventually he's going to be killed. And Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, now I want to show you that in this very strange story as I read it through. When you, when you, when you get done, when, when you get done reading this, what is this about? Some of you say, well, it's just a diary of Paul's trip. But I want you to look deeper because... This is a story of deep spiritual relationships. That's what's going on here. And let me just offer a few extreme important spiritual principles here. One, deep spiritual friendships are desperately needed. Say it. Deep spiritual friendships are, they are desperately needed. Something is happening in Paul's life here, and you don't really get the picture of it unless you read the whole book. Paul's life has changed forever. It has become one crushing blow after another. Uh, before this point, Paul is sort of in charge of his life. He makes his life goals. He goes out. He does these missionary journeys. But here in Acts 20, 22, Paul says that the Spirit of God had shown him that he needs to go. Go to Jerusalem, and he knows he's going to be arrested and imprisoned, and that's exactly what happens in the rest of his life. Uh, because deep spiritual friendships are desperately needed. I, I want you to see this. Look carefully where he goes. He's surrounded by his friends. They walk with him to the beach. They walk to where he's spending hours and hours weeping, and, and, and he spends time. Now, folks, it's good to be acquaintances, but we desperately need people who will go to the beach with us and weep with us. We need people who know what's going on in our lives. And I know, I don't want anybody to know any of my stuff. That's why you're in the mess you're in right now. Spiritual friendship is not a sign of spiritual immaturity, but of maturity. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of health. Health. God made us in such a way that we cannot enjoy paradise without our friends. God made us in such a way that we can enjoy our joy without spiritual friends. Let me tell you something. The enemy is fighting all of us to keep us separated and alone. And some of you think you are dysfunctional because you're lonely. But I'm telling you, you are normal to be lonely if you don't have spiritual friendship. I'm not celebrating nor maligning your fragile little Facebook friendships. 
I'm not talking about your buddies and your school friends here. I'm not talking about your acquaintances or the guys you play basketball with. I love those guys. I'm saying I need somebody that knows on occasion what's going on deep down inside of my heart. I need people that know my journey and are a part of my journey, a part of where I'm going next, a part of what God's saying to me. I need those people in my life. And I'll tell you this, there are those who have left me and abandoned me. But on a day like this, it's good to have a remnant of friends that are right here, that are ready to fight, who will stand, who will love me. Anybody gone through a season of attack? Anybody? I, was, I, I have been attacked. I have been maligned in my life. I have been hurt. I have been hurt by people who were supposed to love me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I, 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 people who knew me for years, who dumped me, said nasty things. Come on, I know these stories. I don't have time to dwell on them much. I'm just telling you quick, and I'm not giving any details, so just quit. If you want no details, you don't get any, all right? Called a group of people, my friends, uh, and they weren't. They didn't care. Hey, what's going on? I, I, they didn't. So I called some folks who I knew were my spiritual friends, and I met them one day at Swan Terrace. Anybody know where that was? And I sat with them because I knew they were my brothers. And I sat with them and I poured out my pain and wept at a table at a nice restaurant. And they stood with me and they blessed me and they called me and they checked on me. Other people didn't call me at all. It was like, I never had another call from them. It was like, ah, no. But these guys knew my heart. Listen, you need real friends. Any believers in the Lord Jesus in this house? You say, I know my friends are out there in the street. No, no, no. You need to find friendships and relationships in the body of Jesus Christ who care about your heart and care about your brokenness and care about what's going on in your head. Come on. Well, I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm saying you need friends. I'm going to tell you also be cautious, cautious because don't, don't get in a romantic relationship with someone who is not a spiritual friend. Spiritual friendship is rooted in Christ. The foundation of a spiritual friendship is, shared, is a shared relationship with Christ. The purpose of spiritual friendship is a common commitment to helping one another grow in Christ-likeness. And let's keep growing towards Jesus. Let me throw a few characteristics of spiritual friendship. There we go. And keep going. It's characteristics of, of spiritual friendship. One, truly love one another. Truly love one another. No greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Truly love one another. Spiritual friends sacrificially giving themselves in their care of each other. Accept one another as believers. I'm bringing you into my life because we are believers together. Accept one another. Romans 15, Paul says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. The disciples were far from perfect. Amen? Come on. We're far from perfect, but we're believers in the Lord Jesus. Loyalty to one another. Jesus loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. How many are going to do that? Is there anybody that will love somebody even when it's tough, even when they've been accused? Come on, anybody like that? Love somebody when they've been maligned? Will you do that? How many will love me like that? I'm going to love you that way. We're going to stand for one another even in the most difficult times. Teach and correct one another. What? What? How many need somebody to tell you the truth? All right, what I really need are some Christians who will lie to me. No, that. Jesus said, you're my friend since I told you everything. 
and will share burdens with each other. Jesus said, my soul is crushed with, crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. How many have ever needed somebody to pray with you? Anybody ever needed somebody to pray with? Not, not to say, uh, praying. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I throw some of those up too. But I'm, I'm very careful. If I throw you one of those, to stop immediately and pray. I don't have time to say, well, I'm going to remember this at prayer time. It's prayer time when somebody says this. Encourage each other. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Encourage them. That's what Paul in this moment is swimming in encouragers and teachers and people whose hearts are overwhelmed. Come on. Everybody look around the room. Look around the room. Look around the room. This room is swimming in people who love you and you don't even know it because we are taught in our culture not to get too close to people. How many know we got to get close to one another? All right. It's hard on your heart. Uh, if you don't, and you say, well, pastor, I don't mind being at the church. I just don't want people. Here, here's, listen to this. The less you want people, the less you want friends, the less like Jesus you are. Amen. Right? I don't, want, I don't want to know these people. Okay, just don't be like Jesus. Because you won't be. I don't like people. Okay? You need people. That's the devil trying to separate you. Well, that's just my personality to be alone. Really? That's your dysfunction. So if you read the Gospels, you'll see one of the reasons why the Gospels are so full is because he has constantly sharing his thoughts and his friends with his friends. Like Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, I tell you, friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more than they can do. But I warn you, fear him who, who after he is killed has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And I, I mean, what is Jesus doing here? He's always thinking out loud. I think my microphone just got loud again. So I don't know what happened, but I'll just keep preaching. Listen, listen. How many know that you need to have somebody that you can process with? That you can just speak? How many, do you need that? You got to have those folks. The less you want friends, the less you are like Jesus. Open your mouth and get vulnerable. Okay, let me just say these few things. Spiritual friendships are spiritually discovered. I showed you this in Acts 21 just a moment ago. When he had finished the voyage from Tyre, he arrived. Here's, here's, here's something. Spiritual friendships are discovered. Not one of the things that I would... Not, excuse me. One of the things that I would have never known, probably... Uh, is that it's a possibility to spontaneously find somebody who believes. This is what happens with Paul. He has, now catch, catch this. He has friendships with individuals at the church he did not establish. Okay, catch this. It's okay to have spiritual friendships with people that don't go to freedom. Amen. That's right. Remember when somebody came up with the concept of interdenominational and non-denominational and multi-denominational? What? I can have friends with people who are Baptists? Somebody praise God. God will position you at places, come on, 
where you can find others. They may not go to your church, but you both kneel before the same Jesus. Now, you're going to struggle if they're kneeling before Buddha. Because you're not going to have deep relationships that way. The essence of friendship is to, is to say, not do you love me, but do you love the same Jesus as I love? And that makes powerful friendships. I mean, let me wrap this up. Spiritual friendship is refined in crisis. So in Acts 20, Paul, they're all weeping and Paul is leaving and they don't want him to go. And I was thinking about this and I, I was over, at, I was at the hospital this past week praying with Jill and Herbert Arrington and in that prayer time, we just felt the Holy Spirit just showed up. And I, can I tell you this? Uh, I've known them for a long time, but my heart just, it, we're in crisis and I could just feel the love. Anybody, anybody ever been there before? You just feel this deepness. If you look carefully, you know the word. How many have heard the word kononia? Have you ever heard the word? It's the word fellowship. Freedom is a fellowship. The Greek word that is translated fellowship in the Bible, act, come on, to share. You have to share. And if you look through this voyage with Paul, they shared their feelings. They shared their stuff, the things that they have, and they shared their faith. Hebrews 13 and, uh, 3 and 13 says, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Just keep preaching. Keep testifying. Keep loving each other. Come on. We've got to talk about more than the weather. We've got to talk about more than the Redskins and the Cowboys. We've got to go somewhere beyond all of that because there are people that are around you that need the Word of God that is inside of you. They need your spiritual experience. Stop avoiding one another. Find somebody you don't know and sit with them at the picnic today and testify. All right. I'll be done. I'm going to finish this. Stand with me. I got to be done. I, I have no choice. Other people are coming in the door for the second service. Spiritual friendships are forever. Say it. Spiritual friendships are forever. Jesus is uh, with his disciples, and the Bible says, "When the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them." I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. What's he talking about? The cross, right? For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I love this. In other words, guys, we're going to have this supper next time. We're going to have it somewhere else. I love this. I love this. I, in my life as a pastor, I have done more funerals than I know. I don't have a count. I have been with people who have passed. Good brothers and sisters. And I, uh, I remember them. I remember moments. I remember where I was, I remember what happened. I remember, I remember my emotion. I just I look around this building and remember where certain people used to sit, or where certain people used to stand. 
I remember, Tootsie, the passing of your precious husband. I remember it so well when we were standing there in the hospital. And he walked, you walked up to the head of the bed and we stood there and we said, okay, we're all here, we're fine, you can go. And he just left. And Tootsie and I stood there and saying, I will meet you in the morning. I remember so many. I, I want to start telling all the stories. It just make me get all weepy. I remember when Bonnie passed. David. Richard, I remember when Esther passed. Inky. And Ruby. Some of you don't even know the names, but to me, when I speak these names, Josie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when I speak these names... I see people not on the earth. I see them in heaven. And the Lord has in my life given me supernatural moments to comfort my own heart. It happened the first time with Diana's mother when she passed. She passed the same day OJ was driving around in the white Bronco. <laughs> what day did Mama die? That was when OJ was driving the white Bronco. That's when it was. We always remember that because we all rushed there. And TV was on. All was on was OJ and the White Bronco, you know. But our hearts were heavy, and we lived in, Diana grew up in this little house in Kinnikinick, Ohio. And uh, we were working with Dad during those days trying to figure out what to do. And, and I had a dream. We were all sitting in the house, and Diana's mom walked in, and she was whole, and she was well, and she was so pretty. And she walked in the door, and she just said, look, you can do whatever you want to do with these old pictures. Put them wherever you want. I'm in a better place. Amen. And she just walked out of the room. And I've grieved over my mother's passing. Can't talk about her without weeping. I miss her. She died too early. She was too young. She was a week before she turned 64. She passed. And hurt my heart. I miss her. And I grieved and grieved. And then one day I'm sleeping. And the Holy Spirit shows me this beautiful garden. And I start walking through the garden. And I see in the distance, coming down the walkway with all these flowers, my young, looks like 17, 18-year-old mom. She's got one of those flowing 50s dresses on or something. She walks up. She did not say a word to me. <laughs> she just sat down on one of these little concrete like uh, benches. And I sat down next. And I laid my head over in her lap. And then I hugged her and she went back and I went back and I said, oh God, you're so good. Amen. Spiritual friendships. Are you with me on this? Anybody with me on this? You remember the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus before he died? There's this comforting moment. Jesus goes up the mountain. Peter goes up with him as well. And, he, and there's these guys start showing up. Moses and Elijah. And the, Jesus is transfiguring up there. What is all of this? It's like, hey son, just so you know. You went away, but you're coming home again. And here's the spiritual friendship that I tell you. I don't want just to, to be your BFF. Because one day, I'm going to leave this earth. And I'm going to another place. Anybody with me on this? 
and the relationships that we have here are only going to continue. You think you love one another now? Wait till you get into the kingdom of heaven eternally with no more sorrow and death and tears. I don't even like them on the earth. You'll be stuck with them for eternity. Am I teaching you anything? Spiritual friendship. Now, come on down. We're going to pray. Come on down. Everybody just come on down. Take your purses if you want. Just come down here. Stand with me for a moment. Come on down. Hey, Margaret, so good to see you this morning. I love you, daughter. I love you. Ah, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> you had quite a day. Huh? I love you. Love you, bro. Can get a hug you today. Come on. Anybody that will, just come around and stand with me. All right? I want us to pray and repent. Could we do this? Let's repent as a church. I know there are people that need Jesus. I want you to get Jesus, okay? So if you don't know Jesus, pray with me right now. Say, Father. Say, Father, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose again. I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. I believe in my heart that Jesus rose from the dead. I confess that I've sinned. Be the Lord of my life, Jesus. You got that? I'm not saying just that prayer saves you. I'm saying that that's the pathway. Not just the prayer, but that's the path. So if you don't know Jesus, give your life to Jesus. If you're sick, I want you to be healed. Listen, I want us as the church right now to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, we repent. Forgive us for not being relational. For not caring for one another. For not having deeper relationships. Forgive us. We choose spiritual relationships. As you have loved us, we choose to love one another. We confess that we need your love. And we need one another. We stand before the cross together as your friends and as friends of one another. Heal our hearts. Let us love each other as you have loved us that our joy would be full. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm done preaching. Okay, now listen. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Praise God he's done. Praise God. Yes. Listen, we're all, we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds, okay? I, I am a southern boy, okay? I'm going to hug your neck. I am. I love you. But don't, don't think for a moment that because I embrace you that our relationship stops right there. Amen. Don't let the hug be enough. We need embraced, right? We need to. But there are some people... I want you to restore relationships. I want you to get to know one another. So as you leave today, make sure you hug 20, 30, 50 people, okay? <laughs> Let them know that you want deeper relationship. Be dismissed when you choose. God bless you all.